Hey everybody, welcome to The Student is Always Right, the show where the process is the product. I'm Alex Moore, joining me is David Stotner, and every week we bring you an original story idea from scratch, conceived by the brilliant minds here at Loyola Marymount University. Thanks for tuning into today's episode. For those of you who haven't joined us before, this show takes this very specific creative writing element as the basis for a story. The catch is, the story is completely extemporaneous, and we have only two 20 or 30 minute segments to tell it. But we're not alone. Each week, a guest from one of LMU's many major departments will join us to bring their unique creative processes to the table, and we'll be asking them reflection questions throughout to find out how creativity plays a role in their discipline. So without further ado, it's time to introduce this week's guest, Aiden Meyer. Hello everybody, I'm Aiden Meyer. I am a junior at LMU. I uh, came to LMU as a screenwriting major uh, a couple of years ago, but then uh, in my freshman year, I decided to change my major to math for fun, you know. <laughs> as, as you do, yeah. Are you just a math major or do you also have like something in SFTV? Oh yeah, so uh, I, I used to be a double major with screenwriting, right? But I, I think I probably would have been too busy if I did that. So I dropped screenwriting to a minor. Gotcha. And since then, I also picked up a minor in theater and a minor in computer science. Oh my goodness. So I am a math major um, and a triple minor. Holy crap. <laughs> <laughs> and, and you've been in a couple shows at LMU, right? I've been in one, yeah. Uh, I've been in Dog Sees God. What's your favorite genre, be it book, play, TV show, movie? My favorite genre, like, like just out of anything? Yeah, it could be anything at all. Oh, gosh. Um, if I had to pick one, I would say, like, uh, sci-fi thrillers, like things that are very contained, uh, very small, mm. uh, things mm. like Alien. Yeah. Uh, or ah, anything like that. Yeah. yeah. Okay, wow. So that's pretty incredible that you have that many different degrees, and that honestly makes you so perfect for the show that we have. Because we have a, a handful of reflection questions for you that are basically just going to be asking you about the role of creativity in your, in your field of study. So that actually leads us okay. to our first reflection question, which is, just straight up, what role does creativity play in your field of study? <laughs> <laughs> oh, gosh. Uh, let's see. So my field of study uh, probably is primarily math, right? I mean, yeah. If You can kind of choose whatever. <laughs> Well, uh, I mean, I guess I can talk about uh, like screenwriting. I mean, obviously creativity plays a huge part in that because really being a good screenwriter just involves being able to work well with others and bounce ideas off each other and sort of come up with as many ideas on the fly as possible. And I mean, I think that that sort of thing definitely helps with things like math and computer science. Cause like if you're in like a, a computer science project trying to work through an error, the things you have to try are, you know, you just sort of just have to troubleshoot just as many things as possible. Just try and think outside the box and hopefully you'll find, you know, that one thing that's making your code go buggy. Yeah, being a computer scientist is pretty similar in some ways to being a good, a good writer just because of that, uh, that process. So by, by that, do you mean the, the, like the bug in a code could be likened to like some sort of plot hole? Is that what you mean by? I mean, yeah, but like the process of working out kinks in a code involves having to be creative and thinking, okay, well, well, maybe we could print out, you know, different parts when we get to this piece of code and see if this is wrong or see if this is wrong. If there was an analogy that I had to draw between coding and writing, yeah, it would be like, um, 
if a certain story beat isn't working, you there isn't a clear way to solve that initially. You can't just tweak one line and everything goes away. You have to be creative. You have to think outside the box. And the same thing with code. Like if, if your code's not compiling or something, it's generally, I mean, it's not always obvious exactly what line is wrong. You know, you have to think outside the box and you have to really rack your brain and like, you know, maneuver around the code that you've written and find uh, like the couple of things that might've been tripping it up. I really like that analogy. <laughs> I think that's a really great explanation. I think you did it. That's better than I think anyone's done so far. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, thank you. <laughs> yeah. Um, and that, that really is just like totally fascinating to have so many, so many different interests there. And also I, I want to say, thoughtful pauses are like welcome and encouraged in this podcast so if you like need a moment to just like think about it don't feel like you have to like answer right away because okay right cool yeah <laughs> <laughs> okay so this week our creative writing element is going to be themes and motifs for some context horse damerick in his article themes and motifs in literature approaches trends and definitions said that themes and motifs are basic components of literary works. Their arrangement, distribution, repetition, and variation form an intricate system of relationships, which is an integral part of the textual structure. The system also provides the signals which guide the reader's perception of organization and signification. He goes on to argue that a motif can be defined in one of three ways. First, it can be defined as a subject, a central idea, or a recurrent thematic element used in the development of an artistic or literary work. Second, it can be defined as a distinctive figure in a design, in architecture, or decoration. Or third, as you'll hear us talk about later, it's a short, independent, significant phrase or melodic unit in musical composition. So with that, we'll throw it back to the interview. Do you think you have a good grasp on those themes and motifs yes i think so sure what what <laughs> would you say like what do what do themes and motifs mean to you and like what do you think is is their importance in in the writing of a story i'll answer theme first i think you can't tell an engaging story if it doesn't have a really clear theme if you go into something thinking okay this is really cool i like this idea i like the story i like these characters that's great Right, but if there's nothing about it that is personal, or if there's nothing about the meaning of the story that you're really passionate about, I don't think I don't think you can really get anywhere with that. So yeah, if if a story doesn't have any theme, like or or uh, deeper meaning, and if it's just surface level, I don't think it's gonna work out. I would agree with that. I would agree. I think themes are just the heart of stories. Like I feel like themes, even like it within stories that don't don't have like very heavy themes they just sort of naturally occur yeah and in, i mean i don't think that uh simplicity and theme are opposites like mm -hmm. uh i think a common misconception and like movies and books and and uh tv shows and stuff is that if it's just really simple and really straightforward then that generally means oh it's style over substance but i don't think that's true i think a lot of really really simple really bare-boned things actually can get to whatever message they're trying to say much cleaner and much quicker mm. Mm. if you take the most recent mad max movie for an example <laughs> that's like as simple as a movie as you can get 
it's just a road trip movie of people going from like point A to point B, fighting off bad guys along the way. But what it's really about is like, you know, fighting this like heightened capitalist system where women are property. That's that's literally what the movie is about. But also, you know, it has a very, very clear <laughs> connection to. Um, yeah, I think. Yeah, I think. Yeah, what you said is like really actually quite reassuring almost like the fact that like simplicity and theme aren't necessarily opposites because you know the structure of this show is that we only have so much time to try and tell a story and it's like if we're doing it in the context of themes like we might think oh my gosh we really need to go like super over the top with this but we don't <laughs> so i appreciate that yeah, contribution we can have something pretty simple and uh do you want to go into motifs a little bit i think those are pretty interesting like how we're going to work those in thinking about already yeah uh thinking about like uh like story beat motifs they're a really good way to keep people engaged in your story like uh if you think about musical motifs in uh in musicals or mm -hmm. songs whenever you hear a motif that you heard before or something it sort of reinvigorates you uh, and draws you back in yeah um mm -hmm. so yeah filling filling your story with these uh recurring um, lines or or if you're talking about music these little uh, motif sections or anything like that i think is is very helpful in getting people invested in your story yeah i actually when we when we you know first brought up motifs i wasn't even thinking about music but that's like to definitely something that like i enjoy a lot about you know certain movies and tv shows yeah i think when i think of motifs i think generally the first thing that comes to mind is music just because a musical motif is such an easy thing to get across to people that's does that true. make sense yeah that's yeah you know, it's, totally. it's, it's very simple david do you want to i mean i feel like we kind of already answered the second reflection question i think we kind of did yeah. but i can i mean we can In we case... can still kind of go into it a little bit yeah yeah go ahead okay, so when you think of this element what type of story do you think it works best for and why? I would probably say anything uh, like very, very tied to relationships works well with um, a lot of themes like uh, any romance story or like a parent-child relationship story. And I say that because especially if it takes place over a long period of time. So if, if two people have this uh, relationship, if they're like friends or romantic partners or, you know, father, son or something, and you set up their relationship with some sort of activity or like an object or something, just something really simple can be a really effective callback uh, at different points in the story. Hmm. So if it begins with uh, these two people getting really excited and then, you know, flying, uh, like hang gliding together or something. <laughs> and I don't know, you can like, you know if they're like fighting or something later on I don't know you can reference how much fun they had hang gliding or something and then I, I don't know what I'm no, saying no I, 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 I get what you mean though sort of, you know <laughs> yeah. what I mean yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. <laughs> yeah no that's actually that's a really good answer okay so sort of with all that like preliminary stuff established this is the part of the podcast where we sort of start deciding what kind of story we're gonna be telling today and i think it would probably be best like before we start the timer to just think of like what theme or like what motifs we want to have <laughs> do you have any themes you really love do i have any themes i really love yeah <laughs> yeah all right uh let me think about that uh let's see i guess i i one of the one of the themes that i i really love in movies is like um people trying to go against the system 
Mm-hmm. Uh, like mm-hmm. um, maybe young adult movies are kind of a bad example, but I really, I really <laughs> like how effective some of them are. Like especially it. It is a movie about kids um, who are fighting a monster, and then adults don't believe it exists. And then anything, I guess, with kids trying to go against the system like that, I really like the theme because it's like. People always tell other people that they're like too young to do certain things, and I honestly think that we should be giving young people a bit more of a say in our, you know, society. So that's some a theme that I I really like. Yeah, I definitely resonate with that too. Yeah, I think that's I think that's a really good one. I think we should move forward with that. And then, like, I guess I don't know what what would be a motif that could be closely associated with the empowerment of like young people. We don't even have to, we don't have to pick one right now. Okay, but... we can just. I, search for I think it. it could come naturally in the story. Yeah. Okay. Good point. So before we dive in to the storytelling part, it's worth noting that we have two 20-minute segments where the first one is what we call a creative rush, where we sort of get all of our ideas out onto the table. Uh, and then we'll have a midpoint reflection question after that first section. And then... The second segment of storytelling is called filling in the blanks, where we just pick up the loose ends and make sure we're realigning with the element of this week's episode. So making sure that we still have themes and motifs in our story and we're not just getting carried away like, you know, telling that. So quick reiteration, two 20-minute segments with a midpoint in the middle. The first segment is about brainstorming, and then the second segment is about sort of fleshing out what we have. That's That sounds cool. <laughs> okay, cool. You on board? All right, yeah. I guess we'll start the first 20-minute segment in three, two, one. So are we just uh, spitballing, like, possible stories? Yeah, with, yeah. Uh, mm-hmm. Like a, a kid? Go anything. any Anything you want. Characters, ideas, yeah. settings, names. Genres. <laughs> it could be yeah, a sci-fi genres. thriller with kids. <laughs> You want to be a yeah. sci-fi thriller? Let's do a sci-fi thriller with kids. Okay, sure. I love it. All right. All right. Uh, yeah. Let's see. Do we want it to take place uh, modern day or in the future, in hmm. the past? What are we lo- What are we thinking? I mean, I'm kind of interested to see what like past sci-fi looks like. <laughs> Me too. A little bit. <laughs> like in the 1700s, if someone invents like a time machine or something, and they travel to like the present day. <laughs> I mean, or they could just be contemporary, and there could be something crazy going on. Yeah, if we're thinking like 1700s, which is sort of Enlightenment era. Like, even though there were, like, a lot of progressive ideas, maybe it's these kids who, like, recognize that there's still flaws in the, like, ideas of the Enlightenment, how there's, like, still not as inclusive as, as people would like to think that they are. So then okay. they could, like, I don't know, encounter some sort of, like, science fiction beast or whatever that could, like, symbolize bigotry. <laughs> <laughs> uh, where, in the, where in the world is this taking place? Uh, oh. 1700s. What's going on in the 1700s? We have Europe's like, colonial America. colonizing the Americas. There's lots of empires and monarchs. Got pirates. Pirates. <laughs> oh, that's pirates. That's great. <laughs> what could we do with pirates? What could we do with pirates? I think we could do a lot with pirates. I think pirates are going to be very good idea so (laughs) okay so what we have so far is we have a movie (laughs) about i guess young people trying to get their voices out there we have there's pirates pirates (laughs) we have some element of sci-fi and there needs to be uh certain strong motifs throughout this story 
Hmm. So we want rebellion and we want pirates. I think we've got to go to <laughs> the Caribbean. All right. Yeah, sounds good. <laughs> we should call it Pirates of the Caribbean. <laughs> <laughs> what a great idea. But, I mean, I think that the Caribbean would be an interesting place because at this time, it's a very highly stratified society mm-hmm. like mm-hmm. the colonial rule there's like the colonials at the top and then there's like the mixed european natives and then at the bottom tier there's the sort of slaves and then you have pirates who aren't really part of the social pyramid mm. so i think that could be an interesting dynamic to explore yeah. oh that's actually mm-hmm. true yeah because maybe they like they're the most capable of upsetting the social hierarchy because they don't belong to it right, right. Mm-hmm. and they're like they're like young people who are pirates <clears throat> So they've made yeah. It, it's always a, a tricky task to make pirates like empathetic characters. So maybe maybe they're not like true pirates, but like you know, they're like pirate wannabes. Exactly, yeah. pirate wannabes. People who enjoy the idea of you know breaking free from the law, mm-hmm. setting sail in a little little schooner or something. Yeah, and because they they're exposed to such a as as David said stratified society, they're like, well, this is our only escape. But maybe, I don't know, maybe they could encounter <laughs> some of the really bad stuff that pirates do and be like, wait a second, <laughs> this is not <laughs> <laughs> right. This is not the kind of lifestyle that we They're not a big fan of the Krakens. Yeah, exactly. Oh, that's our sci-fi element, that we have some yeah. sort of sea monster. Yeah. Alien Kraken. Alien Kraken. That's how it can start. Big thing falls from the sky. Meteor. Right outside some sort of, like, right outside yeah. of the or some town in the water. Wait, that's great. A meteor with of a space crack <laughs> hits the <ground>. yes <laughs> or hits the water right yeah the hits water. the water it's, and there's like a tidal wave and then that's our opening drama yeah, right, right. there's it's this tidal wave, wave. and maybe something's it, happening maybe it wipes, wipes out a bunch of houses yeah, um, and like farms so like the economy kind of yeah. gets upset in that area and then like mm-hmm. the wealthy people are like super upset they're like ah my my crop my my money making i'm so mad i'm yeah we could i mean in this like island town or something or like it's coastal right and if if this tidal wave destroys everything it destroys wealthy people's houses farms slums if it destroys everything and there's no good means of like communication then all of a sudden everyone is sort of in the same boat oh yeah i like that do you think we should take our character our children characters have at least one from each different strata of society and then they can come together with their pirate adventures. Mm. I like that. All right. So uh, what do we have? We have like the like aristocratic lords, right? Spoiled person. little eleven-year-old. Or what age are we talking? Like seventeen? Nine? Yeah, we'll do upper teenage. <laughs> okay. <years. laughs> yeah. Okay. He's got to have some sort of obnoxious name, like something very, like very, very Spanish. It's like very long. Yeah. <laughs> okay, names aren't super important, but not that important. Right we, now, I guess. <laughs> we know that his name gets across how pompous he is just by. Mm-hmm. And is it a he? I think we need a diverse. I mean, he, this yeah. one can be a guy, but I think we should do. But I mean, maybe a girl would be best for the aristocratic class because at the time women were still pretty disenfranchised mm. yeah so the, she'll still have some element of alienation she can use to relate to our other characters yeah that's good i like that I, I like that too yeah and i mean maybe just beyond that the we should just you know keep pronouns gender neutral just so it's like not pigeonholing us yeah in way. Mm-hmm. yeah okay. i we would probably also need like a child from like an enslaved family too 
if it's like a plantation next to this place. Are we are we diversifying ages? Like, are they all going to be around around their older teens? Hmm. Diversifying ages. How old is the uh, is this character? Maybe he's a little younger. Maybe he's like 15, 14. Mm-hmm. They, they. <laughs> and then we can have someone from like the middle class, maybe. Yeah, what did the middle class look like on like coastal towns next to plantations? Maybe they're a merchant or maybe they're like an artisan. Or like the son of an, or the, the, the child of an artisan. Mm-hmm. Yeah, maybe they're like an apprentice for a blacksmith or something like that. Actually, like that. <laughs> yeah so they're like kind of bored with it though so like the motivations yeah. for all these characters should be pretty clear after the tidal wave hits mm-hmm. like why they're trying to i mean for the for the enslaved character it's pretty obvious why they would seize the opportunity to leave and then for the the female aristocrat it's probably like i'm i hate this life of like being simultaneously like over pampered but also unable to do anything meaningful and then for the middle class i guess it's a little bit more difficult it could just be boredom teen angst well i guess there's i mean (laughs) 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 the the prime character motivation for any character wait (laughs) so I guess uh, like a similar thing happens. Like if you were the if you were the child of like any sort of craftsperson and your like job was pretty set in stone, could you really realistically break out of that? That's a good. That's a really good point. I think that's where we should. That's the angle we should take. Yeah. So maybe the blacksmith is the one that. Um, <laughs> maybe the blacksmith's the one that's always wanted to be a pirate. <laughs> yeah. Ooh, and then yeah, when they yeah. all sort of meet, that person is the one that's like you know. Let's take this schooner. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Let's take this schooner out to sea. After this wave hits, all these houses are destroyed. The first thing everyone is thinking is like, "Let's try and escape with, you know, maybe the one remaining boat or something." And uh, they soon realize that they can't because there's this weird like serpent monster that's now like comes up like the next morning and like is thrashing around. They're all too scared to leave. Yeah, or like maybe maybe it could be established that like there is this one part one group of people who tries to leave <laughs> and that boat just gets <laughs> obliterated. <laughs> right, yeah. <laughs> and they're like, Oh hole. shoot, like we can't leave. So what do the uh what do the kids do? Are there only three? Or do they get uh like a, a little Yeah, we can of... introduce more later. Mm-hmm. They're just like the core build a whole crew. Yeah, we could do like a high style team up. <laughs> <laughs> and their goal is their goal to get off i mean what do they want to do well so i guess maybe since all of them have their own experiences with sort of the state of social hierarchy they might just mm-hmm. want to take advantage of like the social unrest to escape from it maybe they want to go to a place where there's freedom or no maybe not because there isn't really a place like that at this time i don't well, think I guess, I guess my main question <laughs> is more like <laughs> My main question is more, like, narrow. Like, what is their goal right now? Oh. Like, is it to kidnap this boat and try and get around the creature? Is it to... Yeah, I think it's to get the heck out of there. Yeah. Yeah, just escape. All right, so there has to be some sort of distinction between all these kids and everyone else in the island, right? Like, why isn't everyone leaving? Are the only ones brave enough to to do it? I think, yeah, because that could be part of, like, the theme, I guess. Because it's like, you kids are so foolish. You're... You're leaving right. the island. Yeah. You saw what mm-hmm. happened to that other boat, and they're like, mm-hmm. "Just because we're young doesn't mean we're stupid." Is the bulk of the story going to be boat, 
or is the bulk of the story going to be island that's a very important question what do you mm-hmm. think gosh i don't know <laughs> uh well i mean this this like space monster kraken thing is is pretty interesting i agree we leave mm-hmm. we leave the the space monster behind us that's true so maybe that maybe then the whole story could be leading up to like them like destroying or defeating the kraken or something defeat it ooh right riding it riding it riding it <laughs> taming the kraken befriending him it's free willy but with the space kraken <laughs> okay so if we have we have like an external force off the island right uh, it's it's swimming around terrorizing people and they try and get on a boat and leave. Who is our like internal antagonist? Like we need at least one human. Gotta be the police. Just like the the island militia, like the self appointed yeah. people who like <laughs> think that they're they're all that and they can they can manage things, but they're just like deeply bigoted people. Who is the aristocrat woman's parents? They could take charge. They can try and take charge immediately. I think that that's yeah. a good point. Yeah. Maybe the like real governor of the island's killed when he like tries to escape with everyone else in that right. first sort of he's being selfish, he wants to leave first. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then yeah, he gets he gets wrecked. And then the people who like the, the parents of the aristocratic lady who escapes, like she's escaping out of her own free will, but they're probably they probably end up spinning it in a way that it's like, Oh my gosh, our fair our fair lady like our, our poor poor daughter got kidnapped by these these right, 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 poor yeah. people and they're gonna like they they generate fear by making people think that it's like some sort of hostage situation but it's really like she's doing it voluntarily. <laughs> I actually I really like that angle. Like we have them actually escape, and then sort of a a, a hunt for these people these children is kind of the main idea or the main uh, conflict. So <laughs> maybe maybe there's a way to rework the monster to better fit that. So you're saying that they would be able to leave the island? Maybe not the island. Maybe uh, like where are they going? Where are they going to go if they can't leave the island? <laughs> Honest question. Are we all thinking, or are we all just waiting for somebody else to chime in? <laughs> no, I'm thinking. <laughs> Here's what I have. Here's what I have. Okay. Okay. Meteor is still still hits. Meteor still wipes out the place. Right. Still unrest through the island. Through the unrest, our three characters meet each other. And then they decide to leave. No one knows about this monster so far. But they're off, they get off the island. They narrowly escape the creature after seeing it for the first time. So they're off somewhere in the ocean. Everyone else is still on the island. That's all I got. I, no, I think that's good because then you could sort of approach it from the angle of these parents of this uh, escapee are like, oh my gosh, she was kidnapped by young hooligans. You know, like we gotta we gotta set out to see to find them, and maybe that could be like the first party leaves and then they don't <laughs> succeed in in escaping this this monster, but then once they're out at sea, what would be their new motivation? Go to a pirate party. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, maybe like there's like a an island that's known for (laughs) like we're gonna go join the pirate the pirate party. (laughs) Okay. 
<laughs> so if I mean like <laughs> there's probably something usable there. Like let's be honest. Yeah, no. Are... No, I think that's good. I just yeah. think it's funny how <laughs> No, it, yes. Worded it a bit weird. <laughs> but the monster might be holding us back, honestly, just it even being there. That's true. We could just you do know, away like, with it. We don't need the monster. Yeah, let's have a smaller disaster. <laughs> oh my god. I mean, uh, no, it could still be like a know, magical <laughs> meteor that strikes. No, the reason I'm laughing just... is, is because we have like one minute left of this first 20 minute segment. <laughs> We're basically scrubbing like everything. But I think that's good. I think that's a very important part of the creative mm -hmm. process. Yeah. Um. So what were you saying, Aiden? Sorry, I cut you off. Still have just a magical big meteor which they're always fun. I like magic things that just kind of intervene, intervene with our world. But there's there's no crack inside of it. It's just a meteor. <laughs> and then the rest of the movie is like, maybe there are, you know, two boats. I don't know. Two boats on the island. Kids take one. They get a couple more people with them. They're really, really bad at crewing because they're children. <laughs> hey, you don't know that. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you know what? You know what? It could be cool if they have just like, you know, rowboats because all of the schooners and stuff might have been destroyed. So the only thing the island has access to is these rowboats. Mm. Kids leave on the rowboat overnight. And the story, uh, the bulk of the story is them trying to get to, I don't know, some destination that we will establish while being pursued by like their parents and stuff who are also on a really slow rowboat. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. And you know what? We'll find out where they're going after the, the midpoint reflection. So where do you see the creative process taking you? What do you feel is missing from this story and why? What do I see is missing from this story? Mm -hmm. what, do we so need, what do we need to develop? So far, a big thing missing is a goal. <laughs> uh, like, like <laughs> I, what I true. mean by that is no, a true. specific goal. We have uh, the pent up sort of angst and motivation. We have some form of an antagonist uh, pushing them, but we don't have a very specific thing they're trying to reach. And the other thing Pirate I think party. missing is... Uh, pirate exactly. party. I mean, you know what? Yeah. <laughs> they could be like, you know what? Let's try and find a pirate ship. And in their naivety, they could think, you know, pirates could just sort of take us in. Ooh, I have a good <laughs> like idea. I know we're, we're not supposed to be giving story <laughs> ideas right now, but what if they have, like, we introduce another character who is obsessed with pirates and he claims that he knows where there are still pirates because maybe all the pirates have died out and so they're gonna go join the pirates <laughs> <laughs> the pirates have all died out this there are separate meteors that broke off from the meteor and hit every single pirate ship in the Mediterranean. <laughs> <laughs> um, hunt for the last pirates <laughs> so the other thing I think it's missing is events in the middle of it. Their goal is to get to some sort of pirate ship. They leave the island. In between those two things, we need to pepper the story with action and fun. Mm -hmm. And uh, motifs. Motifs. That's the other thing yeah. it's missing. We haven't even talked about that. Yeah. Mm -hmm. and, and another part of that reflection question, where do you see your creative processes taking you? Oh, um, with <laughs> with this story or just in my life? <laughs> oh, no, no, just with this story. But, I mean, you can make okay. it broader if you would like. <laughs> well, um, okay. So, like, 
in terms of like the screenwriting classes that I've taken, the biggest um, structural device that they teach is called the eight sequence structure. Oh, uh, and I generally I really like it. Um, not because every story I think of follows it, but it's just it's just a very very tight way to start thinking about a story. When I think about stories, I'm thinking about sequence structure a lot. I'm also thinking about about the hero's journey, which is a lot more complex. Right. But it's another good device to think about. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, during those 20 minutes, I was I was like partially trying to piece them, but I, I don't like doing it too much. But sometimes I do like trying to piece things. Okay, in terms of sequence structure, what would happen? Yeah. Yeah. No, I think that that makes sense though. Like mm -hmm. that you would be yeah. trying to do that. Do you think we're just ready to jump into the next 20 minute segment? I think so. Set your timer. Yeah, sure thing. All right. So we're going to start the next segment in three, two, one. Okay. So by the end of this 20 minute segment, we should have like what kind of thing? What kind of product? A resolution for one. Well, yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, it doesn't need to be like a full story, obviously. But I think at the very least, mm -hmm. we should try to connect our characters' actions and goals to thematically what's going on and sprinkle in those okay. motifs mm -hmm. and, and little character interactions. Okay. You know, maybe maybe we could break this down in terms of sequence structure, just because I think it would be fun. And if anyone listening uh, wants to get a handle for this kind of screenwriting structure? No, I think that would be great, yeah. All right, cool. So sequence one is the status quo. This is when we have, should we name any of our characters or just kind of leave it at aristocrat, blacksmith? Yeah, I think that's fine to just leave it there. <laughs> that's good. So this is when we see their lives sort of as they are. Mm -hmm. We see what they're upset with, what they want changed, etc. Mm -hmm. They probably don't even have to meet each other this early in the story. Oh, yeah, I don't think they do. Yeah. yeah, they're just living but, their lives. Yeah, we should we should get to know them well. Mm -hmm. And I mean, I doubt we're going to ever talk about other characters that could be in the story, but if each of them have a couple of friends or something that are sort of side characters that we never really learn about, that'd be good too, just to populate our boat with mm -hmm. more people. Yeah, agreed. So obviously this inciting incident is going to be <laughs> the magical meteor. <laughs> right. That hits the water, <laughs> wipes out the entire, uh, like every structure. And this part of the story, they all meet somehow because everyone in the town is sort of, or the village or whatever is like Frantic running around. around. Yeah. Exactly, yeah. <laughs> Panic. So when they meet, they say to each other, uh, hey, we're friends. We get along for various reasons. If we wanted to implement like one really strong motif, they could have something very specific they bond over. Hmm. And that could come about uh, later on. Yeah, we'll think about that. Which is what I was talking about. Was it relationships early? Anyway. Uh... <laughs> <laughs> Our blacksmith dude can be the dude who says, uh, hey, you know what would be super fun? Is if we took one of the rowboats and found a pirate ship. Because when we hear ourselves talking about, you know, wanting to be free, wanting to break out of this island, that's exactly what pirates do. And the other two are like, dude, that's so cool. <laughs> so they have this plan to get a boat and leave. And then one night they sneak out or something. Right. And that's our main tension. That's where our story kicks off. Right. Okay. Yeah. So, you know, if we really, if we wanted to, instead of have it be set in 17th century <laughs> oh and we wanted just to make it just fantasy, an island or something, uh -huh. sure. we could bring the Kraken back. Oh, <laughs> 
and the media the meteor could just be like an event that happens every 10 years it's a decade year long <laughs> years yeah so then our first attempt could be you know maneuvering our rowboat and trying to like out paddle like a like a sea monster <laughs> sure yeah. hey they can do it then they succeed they do it they out paddle the sea monster maybe a couple days pass and our fourth sequence is a new attempt, which is like, I don't know, find food. Yeah, or it could be like, you know, find the pirate ship. Find anything. Find people. Well, they're, they're looking for a pirate ship, so they can't find that yet. Okay, gotcha. They're just out at sea. They need some, some water. I have a good idea. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Go ahead. Well, I have an, I have an idea. <laughs> let's say they find an island, and they're like, okay, let's hit this island up and try and, you know, find like a crab or something to eat. So they, yeah, they yeah. land on this island and you know, there could be fun and exciting things where there are odd creatures that try and, you know, rip their hair off. They're like, hey, no, don't do that. Here's where like a big low could hit is at the end of this little segment, the other parents and stuff on the robot can hit the island too. Ooh. And then split up our friends. Oh yeah. Ooh. And then put them on separate boats. Yeah. So like the the aristocrat daughter is like getting taken back home. Maybe that could I like that, but maybe it shouldn't happen yet. What do you think? Hmm. Well, I don't know. I'm just I'm curious. Like if you're still sort of operating on the the whole eight B. Yeah. If we are operating the whole eight sequence structure, we actually have skipped uh, two sequences, which is actually fine. You can skip sequences all the time. It doesn't matter. No one cares. <laughs> but uh, <laughs> yeah, let's see. Uh, well, what other fun thing? Like we the other thing we haven't talked about is. The relationship of these three right and some sort of uh experience that they can bond over that we can call back to and we can you know turn into a motif hmm. i mean mm-hmm. it could just be like love of the ocean or maybe like there could be some sort of like insignia on the boat that has like i don't know some powerful meaning it's like a seashell or or like a crab maybe <laughs> that like they love crabs yeah and then when they find the crab on the island they're like hey it's our mascot look. <laughs> <laughs> and then as they're as like the aristocrat parents drag their daughter away you know the crab is just like sitting on the rock watching them sadly <laughs> yeah okay so yeah this crab that crab character this is an animated movie now let's let's uh... can the crab talk what if it turns out that the kraken's actually just a giant crab <laughs> <laughs> the crab can yeah okay what's the significance of writing this down okay what's what's an animal that represent this is gonna sound so unbelievably cheesy what is an animal that represents the free flowing nature of the sea i think it's gotta be a crab a dolphin (laughs) (laughs) yeah some sort of some sort of thing that can swim anyway i just asked that because like our story is about kids not happy with where they Mm -hmm. are and they want to you know Mm -hmm. have more autonomy they want to be like the porpoise yeah, yeah, we can have a, a, a porpoise character. <laughs> and then the movie can be called Live with Porpoise. <laughs> it's okay, tough crowd, tough crowd. <laughs> um, yeah, so... You need to edit out that part, Alex. I... <laughs> <laughs> okay, where are we going? Where, what's... <laughs> We've got about ten minutes. We left. lost track. <laughs> okay, the resolution. Let's like, let's like try and think about how this could resolve. Oh boy, they become pirates. I think that one thing that has to happen. One of them loses an eye. Absolutely, I think all three of them have to lose all two eyes. 
the crab gets them all, puts them in his head, and that's how the first <laughs> oh spider is made. God. This is actually a whole uh, an origin story of, of spider. spiders. <laughs> oh wow! He's only making a spider myth. <laughs> oh boy! But I think that the the people who are chasing after them have, have any of you seen Hunt for the Willer people? Um, I've heard oh. of it. Okay, it's I, I like that's almost what I'm picturing when I'm thinking of this movie because it's about it's about this kid who you know runs away and police are looking for him and it's like that except you know instead of police it's like you know aristocrats high class wealthy yeah. people yeah the aristocracy um, they should learn that their daughter wants to be a pirate perhaps not be a pirate but like just be free of the yeah, yeah, of the no, restrictions yeah, exactly. of, <laughs> of that because that could be like a learning moment for them like if they do yeah. end up you know if they find pirates and then they just like I don't know. Maybe the pirates suck. Maybe they're like, I don't want to be a pirate. Yeah, yeah that's... that's actually a really good end of sequence six. If their goal was to find pirates, they succeed in finding pirates, but the pirates like kidnap them. Oh, pirates are actually kind of like rapists and like terrible yeah, people. They're, they're not. They're not good. Good fellas. So yeah, then they they have that moment where they're like, okay, you know, we weren't seeking to be pirates this whole time. We wanna we wanna make new pirates. You know, we mm -hmm. wanna. They want pirates too. <laughs> they're like we it's not we weren't looking for being pirates this whole time we were looking for you know being we free, free they really just want the freedom that piracy has but so they're like plan is to create their own freedom mm -hmm. holy crap you know who saves them from the pirates the aristocrats no oh, the kraken oh so like i don't know the kraken doesn't do it intentionally but it it, it attacks the pirate boat and they're, they're able to escape right and they escape they meet back up with the aristocrat people and then maybe the kids have learned some like combat techniques along the way yeah from their crab friends mm -hmm. and they're able to be like, like no don't touch me aristocrat people we want to go on a rowboat be by ourselves hmm. mm -hmm. yeah i mean maybe it's like i guess in an interesting way like between the fact that the arrival of the kraken allowed them to escape the island and mm -hmm. they it also saved them from the pirates like it's honestly like the kraken is more of a sign of what like more of a good guy no oh, the kraken yeah. is more of a motif the kraken <laughs> is the freedom kraken imagery yeah it's back twice yeah the kraken is freedom and it's like we don't want to be like pirates we want to be more like the kraken where we can just exactly. be out at sea yeah. mm -hmm. so is that how it ends they just sail off into the sunset with the kraken they ride it <laughs> it could end on an ambiguous note you know they they're they're sitting in their like lifeboat from the pirate ship looking up at the kraken after the aristocrat dudes have sailed away and then the kraken i really don't know where i'm going <laughs> waves to them and winks with its one eye music swells <laughs> Wow. Are we missing anything? I think the story's all I think we can pitch we can pitch wow. this to Warner Brothers. I hundred percent agree. <laughs> For the very first time we've we've finished our story before the second twenty minute segment <laughs> expires. What else does it need? What what can we add? Oh what we what we currently have is like this like fun uh animated adventure. We need more Goonies moments. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. What are like just any sort of fun monster? That we can throw in there. There could be. Oh, go ahead, David. Oh, uh, you can go. My idea is not good. <laughs> <laughs> no, that, that means we need. Neither to hear was it. mine. 
I was gonna say maybe they they like run into like like skeletons. <laughs> <laughs> no, honestly, I kind of like this angle because now it's becoming this really hokey movie. But it can. Mm-hmm. But as like Aiden... Jason and the Argonaut skeletons. <laughs> oh, oh, yes. I yes, love that. Animation skeletons. I love those. Those are great. <laughs> yeah. So, like, back to what you were saying. We're, we're saying at the start of the podcast, Aiden, about how like simplicity and um, like thematic relevance aren't necessarily opposites. Like, this <laughs> could just really be like a totally uninten- like a, an intentionally hokey B movie that still has like a message to it about like. Mm-hmm. you know liberation from you know oppressive societies and yeah um kids being able to stand up for themselves and honestly like i think leaning into that more i feel like we've been like wavering on the, on the edge of it being sort of this absurd oh, like yeah, cartoonish yeah, for sure. thing for mm-hmm. a long time i think we should just like for the last five minutes that we have really just go as far into that as we can and, and see what see what yeah. we can come up with let's talk about how it can end uh like more concretely right so the aristocrats come with a bunch of ships. Yep. And then there's a big battle between the pirates and them, which is like really wacky. And then the Kraken comes and destroys everybody except the kids. <laughs> Can, kids manage to escape. Yeah. I guess maybe nobody. Oh, here's what happens is all of the ships, all of the ships are destroyed except for like one of them. And all of the pirates and all of the aristocrats are forced onto the same boat. Mm. Mm. They have to work All of these people have to live together until they find, you know, land again. Mm -hmm. And they watch as the kids on the rowboat who are trying to escape are the ones who look up at the Kraken. The Kraken sort of peacefully looks down at them. And then either uh, they ride it or the Kraken just sinks back into away the ocean. and then everyone realizes that the kids and the kraken are you know have something in common and they're like oh i understand now mm-hmm. yeah that's powerful that's a good that's a good message i think i think a lot of kids will really enjoy this movie <laughs> <laughs> and adults everyone yeah. i think, I think I would it's love gonna this. be a hit well who's to say it's a movie it could be a like a, a storybook yeah exactly or or like a, a puppet show that's done like all over the world oh yeah, like Ooh, one of it's those. It's a Netflix series. Mm. Netflix puppet series. <laughs> <laughs> like it's a stand in the middle of the street <laughs> that has Netflix With on Netflix it. Netflix written on it. Yeah. <laughs> what if this whole time, this whole thing that we've been talking about, wasn't actually a movie at all, but it was just like the puppet show that our main heroes watch at the start to preface their adventure? Yeah, so our new movie, basically what it is, is about the puppet crew who wrote the puppet story, and they have the, the works on this manuscript or something. And it's super, it's pretty popular, right? Mm-hmm. Like, in the town that they've showed it in, uh, it's gotten, like, you know, praise from townsfolk, applause. But some people are worried about the impact it's going to have on the young people. Mm. So all of a sudden, mm. uh, there's like these uh, bounties on the heads of all these puppeteers with their manuscripts. And the order is put out for people to come, you know, either murder all the puppeteers or find the manuscripts and, and plans for the puppet show and burn them. Hmm. And they are on the run and they go on a boat and get attacked. <laughs> by a crack and, and, then... and then that's a puppet show. Yeah. Oh my god. <laughs> oh boy. Um wow. Okay, so we have just about a minute left. What else can the story need? <laughs> I think it's gonna have a romance. 
I think the Kraken needs a romance. <laughs> I think this story needs a lot. Well, obviously it's missing a lot, but that's how that's how these rough ideas are like <laughs> you know? Yeah, no, it's it's it's, yeah, it's it's beautiful. Like what we have, what we have at least like even though it's kind of silly and you know, in the state that it's in, what we've created is a um it is a story. Characters <laughs> each of them do have specific things that they are not happy with and we have explored what it could look like if they all meet each other and try and escape and then see what they can learn so i think i think i have had fun making the story i mean I oh i definitely it's have been too. a success yeah, <laughs> yeah definitely me too like honestly it, we may have totally missed like you know the plot <laughs> but i think honestly of most things like we did kind of like you were saying get a solid grasp of like the themes and the motifs <laughs> which is the whole point so you're right it was a success exactly. yeah <laughs> although i will say i will say that there definitely is something to work with that puppeteer about the fugitive puppeteers i think that's <laughs> kind of actually quite beautiful how something like that can emerge in like the last three minutes yeah <laughs> we have a final reflection question for you and it's a big one okay. and it's actually three questions so we'll just ask one at a time how do you feel i guess you kind of already answered this one how do you feel about the story you created yeah, I mean, obviously, uh, I guess that it, it's not a story. Like, it's not something that we could sit down and then write. What I find is that, like, I collaborate with a lot of people on, on screenplays and stuff. Mm -hmm. And, you know, at any given time, me and my friends are always, you know, working on something. And the first time we sort of sit down and try and think of something to write or do, we never even attempt to make something serious. It's always this kind of thing. It, we always sort of end with this sort of a product. And then once we have an idea of the characters, an idea of what we want to say, and an idea of the theme, when we revisit it like a week later, uh, when we remove all the silly stuff and look at it again, it becomes much clearer and the actual story emerges really, really quickly. Uh, and I would say that oftentimes it emerges even quicker than if we had started to think about it seriously hmm. uh, at first. Hmm. Yeah, so I guess that's that's a good segue into the next one, next part of the question. Um, I guess you kind of already answered this one too. What are you proudest of, and how was that a result of your unique right. creative process? Yeah, I guess I kind of did, but like, okay, <laughs> what's another thing I'm, I'm proud of in this? I really, what I really do like is how we recognized what we were doing was sort of silly. Mm -hmm. And once we recognize that, instead of trying to push ourselves back on the on our trail, we kind of kept rolling with it, mm -hmm. which, in my opinion, is a fantastic idea. <laughs> uh, and like like any time that you're actually serious about something and you don't let yourself be super stressed out about it, it's good. <laughs> you saying that, I feel like, and also just like you being so encouraging of us to just continue to be goofy like i feel like i learned something because i think i can tend to be a little bit rigid sometimes in my approach <laughs> and be like oh my gosh i have to like you know throw all the tools that i have you know at it but then you know if there's just a different way of looking at it you really don't need to make it so complicated or so stressful for yourself so i think that <laughs> me and maybe some <laughs> other listeners could could probably resonate with that the last question is can you tie and you can choose whichever whichever major or minor you like. Can you tie your storytelling today to the way you approach work in your major? 
since one of my minors is screenwriting, yeah, yeah, <laughs> then yes. <laughs> Let's let me try and let me try and think of a tie to math. There are like a ton of mathematical proofs and ideas that are very unintuitive, and the process of proving something in math generally requires you to be very creative and think in a way that you wouldn't think otherwise. I don't know if anyone is familiar with the Putnam test. It, the Putnam test is more of like a, uh, a game than anything else. It's these trick question problems that's given every year uh, and people who score on it uh, can, you know, put their Putnam score on their resume or stuff. And all of the problems that are on the Putnam tests are super weird. And you can get so locked into thinking about a Putnam problem in one way. And you can work on it for like an hour and a half and then time is up and you've gotten nowhere. The, the best thing to do with these Putnam problems is like once you're working on it, you have to take a step back and sort of think to yourself, okay, is there anything I've missed? Maybe I should go back to square one and then look at it from a different lens, which can be very hard. And I think we did do that today. Uh, we started by saying, you know, let's think of something that is a sci-fi thriller. And at some point during the discussion, we realized that the thing that we were talking about was nowhere near sci-fi and nowhere near thriller. <laughs> um, so I think it's really, really good to uh, try and take a step back and then see if there's, there's a better use of, of what you've been uh, working on something that you didn't mention which i think is another fun fact to share with people who might not be familiar with the putnam exam is the median average score is zero out of 120 <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> so i mean yeah that's that's the end of our show and i guess before we sort of do our conclusion we just wanted to give you the chance to plug yourself if you had any projects that you were working on or any social medias that you wanted to direct people to now's your chance aiden I'm always working on something. I, uh, I wrote a script with my roommate over the summer, uh, and we've submitted it to a couple of places. One thing I am doing is I'm, I'm shooting uh, a movie with a good friend of mine called Roommates. Like, would, would, they, would those be posted to YouTube? or where would we... Oh, Roommates? Uh, that'll, that's going to not be anywhere for me. <laughs> okay. One thing, if you wanted to look on YouTube for me, my friends and I have a YouTube channel called Boondoggle Productions, B-O-O-N-D-O-G-G-L-E Productions. It is our stupid sketch comedy YouTube channel, which we generally come up with really, really weird sketch ideas at three in the morning and text each other. <laughs> and that is what we film and put on there. Uh, there are some good ones. If you look up Rorschach Boondoggle Productions, that's probably one of my favorites that we've done. Okay, cool. <laughs> Special thanks to L-U-I-U-R-P for funding this podcast and for helping us stay on a consistent schedule. If you are interested in opportunities for research, and creative projects offered by LMU's undergraduate research program, visit academics.lmu.edu slash O-R-C-A. Also, special thanks to our mentors, Dr. Amy Ross Kilroy and Joshua Colmack butler And finally, if you'd like to be a guest on a future episode, or you'd like to add any details to today's story for the chance to get a shout out on the next episode, we'd love to hear from you. Just email us at alwayswritelmu at gmail.com. Thanks for listening, and we'll catch you on the next one. Bye.